Yeah, it was, and, and in doing that, like, you know, I was uh, 22, uh, leading, leading a team of 30 people that were all well and truly more than double my age um, of different nationality, different languages, um, and dealing with the politics that exists over there between the First Nations and, and, um, and, and kind of the, the Canadian people. G'day and welcome to episode 27 of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Laleve, and thanks for joining us again. As many of you know, this weekend, the 19th, we're launching the first of our six-part series with the Royal Melbourne Show. Every second day, while we celebrate the show online, we'll be telling a different story and getting some different insights into the importance of the Royal Melbourne Show. For only the third time in its 165-year span, of it's not taking place physically this year, but incredibly, the team there is come together and we'll be celebrating the show online and the podcast is just one part of that. This week I'm sitting down with someone who's worked in a whole bunch of different roles in different countries across the world, all relating to agriculture. He's got ground up experience and has some really sound advice for people that are thinking about exploring a career in agriculture, but I think probably just more generally. Mitch Height spent a lot of his early years growing up in Sydney, but It was his love for agriculture that had him longing for chasing his dreams. Not long after finishing his Year 12 exams, he headed for America where he got his first taste at being a real cowboy. Ever since then, he's been building his experience in a variety of roles. As you'll pick up, Mitch's motto is just say yes. It's led him to some amazing situations and also a bit of a precarious one on a TV dating show. It's not the one you're thinking, but it's all part of his story. And it is a good laugh. We chat about the realisation early on for him that the family block wouldn't quite be big enough to support him and that he'd need to set about doing his own thing. He headed off to Canada in his early 20s where he's given a role as an overseer on a large cropping operation. It saw him in charge of an incredibly diverse team including non-English speaking workers. And as Mitch touches on, it's really taught him about how to communicate and how to communicate effectively. Returning to Australia a few years later, he ended up getting an ag degree and then moving into trying something a bit different. He had a crack at doing agriculture advisory work for large organisations, which ultimately led him to identifying his own gap in the market, which he's now exploring through his own business, Bullseye Agriculture. Mitch touches on the importance of trying things and sometimes just throwing your hat in the ring and seeing what's out there. As Mitch says, it's all about finding that one thing that can differentiate you from other people. Enjoy the chat. Mitch, welcome to the Humans of Agriculture podcast. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. I was trying to think the last time I saw you, I think we were the ferry ride when we were in Sydney for the, what was it? It was the AICD course, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, bit of a bit of a little city tour was, was pretty good, actually. That was, yeah. that was a good setup. Ah, good little stint. For setting the context for people, um, I think I've probably said it enough on here that I actually grew up in Sydney and came into ag that way. But funnily enough, we were at the same school a couple of years apart. And I suppose for you being like a younger guy and, and studying ag at school, I suppose just even initially, like what was it the perceptions towards agriculture for you when you were studying it? Yeah, look, I think, um, uh, you know, although not, you know, totally entwined into the agriculture sector. So, you know, I didn't come off directly from a 
farming family operation. Um, but I had it still going through my veins. Like, you know, we had family that had always been involved in the sector. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we kind of got around on farms most weekends, most holidays, things like that. Um, and, yeah, I suppose it was one of those things. It was just, you know, what, what attracted me to it was, you know, you got to work outdoors. Um, you got to kind of muck around a bit more than what you might normally do in a, in a city job. Um, and the perception with around that was, you know, farming was still a very tough gig back then. Um, I think we were kind of, whilst I was at school, there was at least um, two droughts during that time where a lot of those, you know, those country fellows that were boarding at school and stuff were, you know, more inclined actually to try to get off farm rather than um, than stay on farm, and um, which was completely the opposite of what I wanted to do. All I wanted to do was get back out on the farm, finish school and, and, and yeah, get amongst it. Um, but yeah, no, look, it was it was still a a, a tough industry. Um, it was certainly still tough if you weren't um, you know weren't going to either inherit a business or inherit the farm or you know have something immediately to play with. If you had to build yourself up, it was always going to be a long slog and a bit of a process, and that's the um, that's the avenue I had to go down. And so, thinking like along those lines, where you're saying you didn't have the farm to go back to, do you see it as a blessing or a curse? Look, looking back, it was an absolute blessing for me. Um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, there's, there's operations out there where they can be quite insular in the way that they do things that, you know, it was you know, done this way for 50 years. If it's, um, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it kind of thing. But agriculture has just had absolute leaps and bounds in technology, in, um, in, in the way that you go about doing things, you know, just over the last 10 years alone, like forget about the last 50 so for me, not being, you know, and I don't like to use the word tied, but, you know, being fixed to something that I was going to have to go straight to, I actually was able to take advantage of that and um, go to other countries, explore other ways to get into the business and the industry, um, which kind of, yeah, led me to what I'm doing today. And so the piece of going overseas and travelling, I swear you disappeared overseas for years or whatever it seemed like when you went to Canada and America. How, how did that come about? Was that just a childhood fascination? Look, I think anyone that anyone that kind of wants to get into um, into the kind of farming sector that might not already have the farm with them, Texas was you know the absolute must must go to place. I wanted to go, you know, ride bulls. I wanted to go, you know, be a cowboy. I wanted to, I wanted I wanted that life. And so when I yeah wrote my my HSC exam, I was on a plane two days later. Um, on my way to Texas um, to work on a ranch out there. Um, how that came about was, you know, really just telling everyone that I could that that's what I wanted to do. I had no plan. I just was saying that's what I want to do. Um, you know, I was searching, uh, searching the land. I was searching the internet for any kind of connection I could get. Funnily enough, it was a, a mate's, mate's dad that we were having a beer at, um, at one of the pubs in, in the North Shore there and, he said, I've got a contact. I haven't spoken to him in about seven years, but, you know, here's his details. Give him a call. And um, that's how that kind of relationship started. And now I've, um, you know, I've kind of got um, another dad over there. We still keep in contact. I keep on going over there as much as I can. He comes over here. We go on, you know, random trips all the time. And, and um, yeah, I was over there full time for about a year. Um, and then kind of went back and forth for, you know, harvest and sowing um, cotton out there. Along the way, like, 
with those guys, have they ever sat you down and just talk, like talked or been like really honest with you and said, like, this is what you bring to the table, Mitch. And like, was there something that's sat you apart? Obviously if you've, yeah, got the courage up to just cold call someone and then jump on a plane, there's something a bit different about you, but has someone, has anyone ever told you, um, yeah, what it is? Yeah, look, not not really. You know, face to face. I think you can pick up on a lot of stuff as you as you go around. Like, you know, when I was out there in um in Texas, is that farmer after a week of working with him was you know absolutely happy for me to attend. He was quite senior in the cotton sector of America. Um, we would go and attend conferences together. Um, we you know he would introduce me to the mayors of town that he knew. I even got to meet, meet the senator of Texas um, whilst I was over there. Um, yeah, so, you know, it, it was one of those things, I think, um, being open to anything. Like, as soon as something gets, you know, put in front of you, don't think about it too much, just go and try and do it. Um, I know that's probably copying Branson a bit, like, you know, just say yes and figure it out after. But I really lived, especially the first part of my life, as soon as I finished school, you really didn't have much like you didn't have much to lose like you know you were out there to do something and every opportunity I was just saying yep I'll do it I you know I went parasailing behind a pickup truck you know down the highway whilst I was out there and a lot of people don't believe it but I got photos to prove it um, literally said yes to everything <laughs> I, I rode a couple of bulls whilst I was out there I just I, you know it was just one of those things you just said yes got into it um, you look like a fool a lot of the time but you know, in looking like a fool, you you made a lot of mates along the way, and a lot of them, as I said, still stay in really good contact with, and a lot of them, you know, hold now very senior positions in their industries, um, very knowledgeable people, and you know, people that are well worth having in your camp to bounce ideas off and ask those you know real nitty questions. Yeah, right, far out. <laughs> Say yes to everything, even if it's parasailing behind a pickup. <laughs> figure it out you'll be right <laughs> far out hi i'm pia horticulture and sugar analyst at rabobank and i'm here to share our latest insights on australia's vegetable market did you know in 2023 australia produced over 5.8 billion dollars worth of vegetables though only 4.3 percent of this was exported like many other countries the australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market in fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low-cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade, or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. Um. And so you spent, yeah, quite a bit of time up in Canada with One Earth Farms, I think it was, and yeah, worked your way kind of up within that company. But there, there was some interesting kind of people and that you dealt with from kind of First Nation Indians and communicating with people in different languages. Like, run us through a bit of kind of that experience and what that was like. Yeah, look, this kind of, again, came about a bit on that say yes to everything kind of motto. Um I, uh, we were at that stage, we had a little small um, farm in the Central West that we were kind of looking after and um, it was very evident that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to make a very good salary out of that. It just wasn't going to be that kind of size of scale. So 
I was looking at the next step and, um, you know, again, into the land and into the, into the web um, and came across, you know, an article that said, you know, we're looking for um, farm hands and harvest hands, um, you know, uh, to, to help out on a big operation. And, you know, me thinking, you know, that there will be somewhere, you know, in WA or up in Queensland or, you know, a big operation further out west. Um, you know, put my hand up and, and said, yeah, I'm keen to go for it. Got a phone call about two hours later and they said, when can you be on a flight to Canada? And I said, why, why would I be going to Canada? And they said, well, this article that you've just responded to is for a position in Alberta, Canada. Didn't have any reference to it in the article at all. Oh, no. And um, so I had a, you know, a, about a 30-second thing and I said, all right, I'll, I'll be on a plane next week. Told <laughs> Family, I'm off and off I went up to Canada and, and yeah, like I said, I went up went up there and no, never never really been to Canada and didn't expect too much out of it. But when I landed there, this the size and scale of this operation was another level. I mean, we were we were cropping um, about half a million acres a year um, with about forty percent of that irrigated. Um, Holy heck! It was, it was a big operation. We had, uh, at any one time, we would have 52 headers rolling around um, all of Canada. Um, we had 35 air seeders um, running around as well. And then all the trucks, all the, you know, all the infrastructure required to operate that. Um, so I went over there. Um, it was a heat wave in, um, in Australia. So I left Sydney and I think it was about 45 degrees. Landed in uh, Calgary. Alberta and it was uh, minus 22 um, so my body got the shock of its life I w got off the plane wondering what the hell have I done uh, because I don't do well in the cold um, which you good know, place to go <laughs> and now I live in orange so go for that um, yeah, just say yes <laughs> so yeah look I got over there and and yeah within two weeks I, I, I was over there as a farmhand um, Within two weeks, I was then being given uh, an overseer's position on their prairie country um, in, in southern Alberta, um, where, like you alluded to, we had um, we farmed a lot of First Nation Indian country out there, um, which a part of the requirement was is that a good uh, over fifty percent of our um, of our workforce had to be First Nation Indians. Um, oh, wow. and and, um, and then we also had uh, a bit of a mix of um, Hispanics as well uh, that come with quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of knowledge in, in how to run you know big machinery they're, they're really good at, um, at kind of you know looking after gear um, and there was about yeah I think about four of us Aussies that were over there that all very quickly moved up the ranks because uh, you know th that that Australian way of doing things is you just keep on going until it's done uh, which is you know, a bit of a different culture over there is, you know, it's it's still, wouldn't say business hours, but, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty lenient on um, on when it's time to, you know, harvest and so, whereas, you know, we've just got that attitude, I think, out here where, you know, it's it's ready to go in, it goes in now, the job doesn't stop until we're finished kind of thing. Um, where, you know, over there, as soon as it was kind of 9 o'clock, that was it, doesn't matter how much crop was left still to harvest, 9 o'clock it finished. So, yeah. Yeah, it was, and, and in doing that, like you know, I was uh, 22, uh, leading leading a team of 30 people that were all well and truly more than double my age. 
um, of different nationality, different languages, um, and dealing with a politics that exists over there between the First Nations and and um, and, and kind of the the Canadian people um, was really fascinating. Is mm-hmm. the right word to, to say it was it was a challenge, um, but what it did do was absolutely teach you how how to be very diplomatic in how you want to still get something done um, because it involved everyone there to do a job uh, and some of them, you know, didn't like to deal with the other person. Some of them thought it was against, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it taught me a lot about diplomacy um, and a lot about, you know, how Australia, although such a big food-producing nation, is still, you know, a, a very small piece of the global pie when it comes to the size and scale of those other operations. Yeah, absolutely. And that cultural piece would have been just so fascinating to see, wouldn't it? Just the, yeah, different work ethics, the different mentalities just would have been awesome. Yeah, it was really. And I think, you know, what was really good is that being Australian over there is that I had no, nothing to gain from any, any actions. So for the, I think the First Nation Indians really responded well to, to us because we had no skin in the game. We were there to do a job. Um, and we would leave when that job was done. Whereas, you know, there was still a lot of that land use conflict that exists over there, a lot of, you know, um, planning that still was going on of, you know, encroachment of, um, of cities, things like that that we see everywhere, but with on reserve country, which was just massive amount of country over in Canada that's in reserve country. Yeah, right. Did you, um, so when I was over there, like I was in Saskatchewan, but um, went to a Hutterite colony, did you go to anywhere you are there? Yeah, we, we, we had, we had um, three that we farmed. We leased out and farmed um, for them. Um, yeah, it was an experience as well. Like, you know, it was, um, it kind of reminds you of certain movies out there. <laughs> um, when- I mean, like, yeah, it's not for people who don't know. It's essentially like modern day Amish, isn't it? They do use some technology like with farming machinery, and, but the rest of it is pretty bones and, and bare. Yeah, well, it, and that's what was so weird about it, is that you go and go and see these guys, and they'll have the latest pickup truck. They'll have you know a couple of million dollars worth of um, farm machinery sitting in the shed, but then they're there, you know, still churning butter. They're there, you know, still making all their own clothes. Uh, huge families too. Like you know, it wouldn't be uncommon to see thirteen kids all all with the the same um, mother and father. Um, and um, yeah, it was you know it was it was an unusual thing to kind of you know wrap your head around. But um, they're also very big players as well in that ag game because there's there's one kind of hierarchy family that sits there, and then the rest kind of all the money goes to them to to build up their whole colony. Yeah, I'll have to put some photos up of the one we went to because I've never ever ever been on a farm that was as immaculate as this colony that we went on. Like the workshop was. The- the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Every oil had its own kind of drum canister, but on the outside was a little level, so you knew. When they yeah. had a had a spray tank or spray area where they'd go and they'd buy like trucks and trailers that had rolled, and they'd start cutting them up and welding them together, and then they'd repaint them and sell them. They're just that was what, yeah, that was always amazing. You'd go to like a clearing sale over there, and ninety percent of them are Hutterites. And they're just buying stuff that you like. You would never even look at. Like you wouldn't even consider it. And these guys literally just turn trash into treasure. They, that mm. they're just like 
for some some reason they can see something more than what you can see is just an absolute headache to get fixed. These guys see, you know, money to be made and they know and they just I think they're really, really good at figuring out stuff. They'll break things open, figure out how it works and then put it together again with new bits and pieces and it works. Like they they're 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 very talented uh, people for sure. Unfortunately I've got none of those skills when it comes to that kind of imagination or the mechanical skills. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty good at breaking things, but yeah. putting them together, I usually have to get some help. Yeah, yeah, no, I think we're the same. And so then you finished up a bit of time, yeah, kind of traveling the world, farming, and then you decided to give the big city life a crack. Yeah, yeah. So I did, um, in, in between all that, I did a, uh, yeah, a degree with Charles Sturt out here at Orange um, in ag business management. And, um, yeah, kind of between running around different farms and, you know, I was doing some contracting out here is it was time to, um, yeah, like I, I suppose I saw what was lying in front of me um, and that was, you know, a, a very good life and, and you know, a, a very prosperous life. But I wanted to take a bit of a sidestep and, and try something a bit different and I knew um, to do what I wanted to do was going to require me to go um, – into a Sydney firm. There's a lot of firms that, you know, like that, that you have got the ability to go remote now. Um, but back then it was very much, if you wanted to be the big players in agriculture, Sydney or Melbourne was where you kind of had to go or, or Brisbane to an extent as well. Um, so Sydney being quite common ground to me, um, I, I went out there and started work with, um, with PPB advisory. Um, where we were kind of handling, you know, restructuring of, of agricultural assets, um, you know, ones that were distressed. We were also advising on, um, on, on, on properties that were, you know, of a huge scale. Um, so big deals, big transactions. Um, and that was, you know, that for me, that was getting paid for the best education I could have got in an absolute fast track in you know, financial analysis, how to read what companies do well and what, where, what they do poorly, um, you know, see those points because, you know, we used to have to go all the way back through their records and figure out the exact point in where things started to get unstuck, um, you know, why they were leveraged that hard, who let them leverage that hard, things like that that really, you know, paints that book of, of the business. Um, and, yeah, for me, as I said, it was invaluable to get that upfront education um, and, you know, get paid for it. I mean, we would, you know, fly around Australia mainly. I did a stint over in New Zealand with them as well. Um, we were, during the dairy downturn, we were over there um, helping farms restructure, recalibrate, um, you know, take the monkey off their back, so to speak, um, or, you know, start the process of a sale down. Um, but, yeah, look, it, it was one of those things that, you know, I, I was so fortunate to get, my foot in the door there and I did that through um, again yelling out to everyone I knew that that's what I wanted to do the more people that knew about it the more kind of connections started to come together um, and then it ultimately actually was all done from um, a, a guy from school um, you know the, the connection there brought us in and and, um, and, and gave me the shot I, I, I wasn't someone that they would normally ever hire I didn't have Sydney Uni degree. I didn't have an accounting background. I didn't have any of that. So they took a punt, and um, and yeah, luckily for me, it, it kind of worked out. And so, do you reckon like having that farm background, like, when you go into those, like yeah, a city job, 
was that probably like the biggest distinguishing factor that you brought to the table? Yeah, look, I think it was. I think my background was very different in terms of that for these businesses, a lot of them had that real understanding of how an agribusiness works, but probably a reduced understanding on what happens in the field, in the paddock. And that's where I got brought in is that, you know, agriculture does have that certain language about it where it's very easy to see people that are trying to pretend to be a part of it mm-hmm. and the ones that really have. Um, and that's kind of where I think I got brought in is to almost be, yeah, that translator about, you know, this is what is actually doable. Um, these people are saying they're going to be able to get out of it through this way, but, you know, it's just not possible. Um, and, and, yeah, start asking those questions more from a, you know, uh, a management style rather than just kind of that you know overarching here's the numbers it works it doesn't we were trying to build that capacity to say you know with this you know we can do it um here's how it works here's the numbers here's the rates all that kind of stuff was where i was brought in and you know for farmers as well is you know notoriously very good thinkers um they'll have a challenge in front of them they'll figure out the way to, to, to get over that problem or, or, or figure out that challenge. Um, whereas, you know, so, so people from other backgrounds might just go, look, that's all too hard. You know, I need to bring in five people to solve this. Whereas we're just going to go, right, I'll let me chunk it out and see what I can do. I'll give you. Waves up, I'm going to make a hell of a mess. And <laughs> It'll be like breaking apart machinery like the Hutter Rides. You just, I'll break it apart, then you guys are going to have to help me put it back again. But, yeah, that, that, and I think we come to the table with that. Um, and I think that's quite widely understood that, you know, farmers are very, very good at, um, at having a problem thrown in the, throw their way um, and, and they're going to go about trying to fix it. Yeah. And then so when it came to leaving the, um, PPB, like, what was the, the options in front of you there and what was kind of playing on your mind? Look, being, um, being, being that farmer as well, I think you always look for opportunities. Um, and, you know, I, I, I was loving my time at PPB. There's no doubt about that. I, I wasn't in the mood to, to leave. Um, but what I could see is there was a, a gap developing in the market um, where these these people that wanted to get into farming um, that, you know, had certain money and it might have been a couple of million um, high net worth individuals that wanted to diversify their investments, things like that, didn't have a, a fully appropriate structure that would actually help them go down that route. Um, you know, we were normally playing with guys that, you know, had hundreds of millions, you know, or tens of millions of dollars to spend, whereas these guys just, you know, didn't have that level. So this was starting to open up and then um, and then it all, yeah, came about that there was one guy that approached me um, directly and said look here's the money i've got i, I don't know where i even start um i don't know the area i don't know the numbers can you help me and, and that's what kind of kicked um what his bullseye now that's what kind of kicked it off is um is you know we started developed started to develop something that could be easily understood for these guys um we started to offer that range where, you know, we'll go source it, we'll tell you what you can run on it, we'll give you some potential returns, um, we'll, in, we'll do the labour for you, we can do everything for you and then you can be as involved as little or as much as you want. Um, and, uh, you regret and, saying that, as little or as much? <laughs> there's, there's certainly some clients that I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, no, look, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, 
you, you do have to be a part of the whole process and, and I think that's just farming full stop is that if you if you kind of disconnect from one part um, if you don't have a really good report or a really good person de delivering that information still back to you you lose touch of what's going on um, so we just tried to yeah take it all in house um, bring a, a, an element of professionalism into that um, as well so that using those skills that were developed with PPB and understanding what people want out of investments what reports they want we just then custom built that for you know clients going forward, um, and yeah, that that's kind of how that that went. Is again, it was an opportunity. I didn't know what was going to happen with it. It was kind of again, here's an opportunity. I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to figure out the rest as we go. So yeah, that's yeah, I, it's going to. I'll tell you now, it's going to be a very common theme. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and was Orange always going to be home when it came to that, or were you pretty happy to go anyway? Um, look, when, when I started, we, the first farm we actually bought for this guy was up in Casino, so in the northern rivers of New South Wales. Um, and I moved up there to be based on the farm um, and, and start. I obviously still had, you know, the orange base, uh, but that's where I was for, for, for um, yeah, for a time. Um, but the, the thing that's so good about, um, you know, places like Orange, Bathurst, um, Dubbo, is that we're so central in the state. Um, I now have got you know uh, farms that we need to you know get on and look after all around the state, and no matter where I go, is it's still you know it's 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 a distance, but you're still in a central point that no matter where you need to go, it's equidistance to go there, um, which is what I love about the area. Um, also with Orange, I mean you know we, we're very fortunate with um, with our rainfalls and soils. We've got complex soils out here, um, and we we can do a range of things and and for me that's really good because it means i've got more potential for management um you know we've got cherries we've got cattle we've got sheep we've got cropping um we're looking at you know market gardens and vegetables now as well um as one of our managements um and yeah we, we're able to diversify as much as we want yeah right you get it you got involved with new south wales young farmers and from my perspective i kind of just want to understand more about like the thought process of getting involved in like nearly that political side of agriculture, if, if that's the right way to describe it. Like, yeah. What, what was it that kind of pulled you towards getting involved in, in that side? Yeah, look, I've always been um, aware of New South Wales farmers and, and you're right. I think, yeah, the, the, the political uh, part around it always scared me about being active in it. Yeah. Um, and what kind of happened was is that um, I was always a member but not an active member, if that makes sense. Like I was getting the newsletters and I was reading information about it, which was all high-quality um, information, but I wasn't, you know, partaking in it much. Um, and then one, to one time this uh, email came through and they said that they're going to be going out to um, – to Simplot out here, the, the big um, the big veggie growers and, and and producers of you know massive amount of vegetable products um, mm -hmm. out here in Bathurst and um, and I learned that that's the home of the Chico Roll um, and I thought they're right. I've I've got to be on this tour, so you know big fan of the Chico Roll. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, I went out and did this tour with with New South Wales farmers. It was New South Wales young farmers that were hosting it. Um, went out there. Um, following that, uh, it was there was a, a bit of a you know 
catch up after the tour um, about what's going on. Um, as I understood more of the uh, of the association, I was like, "This is this is a pretty cool thing to be a part of," um, and they were they were offering positions to actually go and attend um, their their big conference for the year um, as a delegate. Um, fortunately enough, again, put my hand up and said, "Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go," um, yeah. and, and and was accepted to go uh, on behalf of the, the New South Wales Farmers um, branch, um, and went to this this conference in, in Luna Park that was just unlike any agriculture conference I've been to before. I mean, there was thousands of people, um, you know, really important key speakers that were there that, um, you know, like we had, um, you know, agricultural ministers, deputy prime ministers. I think we had a prime minister come and talk with the one I went to. Um, so it obviously holds an immense amount of, um, of nous when it comes to, agriculture and how it's getting you know how policy is getting written in government for it um you know flying that flag for farmers to be represented in in politics um and yeah it, from from there it's kind of you know grown into i'm now sitting on the um, rural affairs committee where we meet up at least every month um and we talk about as it as the name kind of implies, is we talk about all big things that are affecting rural and regional life, um, such as telecommunications, drought policies, um, you know, information technologies, a very broad range of stuff where our, our um, input adds a huge amount of value when it goes back up to um, executive council and then we, you know, obviously put that forward to, to the ministers and, and to government. Um, and that's grown, you know, it, as soon as you're a part of an association like that, that really, really helps promote that. Um, you just grow from there. And now, you know, I'm part of another committee that sits on there now. Um, I also help with um, going through scholarship applications. We give out, uh, you know, I think six or seven scholarships now, tertiary scholarships to young, young people that are in the industry or in the regions. Um, we go through a big process with, through with them and, 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 the ones that are fortunate get a really good bursary, um, you know, and get a really good link to the association. Yeah. Um, and all of that, you know, it, it just, as I said, when you find a really good association, you just keep on trying to give more to it. Um, and it is, you know, it, it, it's not paid positions. You, you're donating your time. Um, but the fundamental is, is that it will help you in the back end because what you're saying, you'll hopefully get back when you start farming and go, hey, the reason that I can do this is because this was lobbied 20 years ago and, you know, now we have got that right to farm or now we have got this, you know, really good bandwidth to use our internet of things out in the paddock. Um, that all starts with someone, you know, having that conversation and putting it forward. And what's the involvement like of young people? Or is there many people that actually get involved in these things? Uh, yeah, look, it's growing. We'll always take more. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Um, I suppose I think some people might be a bit worried as I was to start off with is that it's just, you know, a huge political agenda um, where, you know, you have to have that background where it's not like, you know, it's, it's really about, you know, sometimes there might not be a single bit of politics at talk. It's more, you know, it could be just about what each person's doing on their farms, learning from them. Um, you know, the, the best thing you can do is learn from someone that made five mistakes before you. Um, and avoid those mistakes. So it's it's a really good network, just as much as it is a really good association. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. So I'm going to get this question off my chest, mate. So on the topics of saying yes, um, 
people probably don't know because you you had your five minutes of fame, but little TV show. It wasn't Farmer Wants a Wife, but When Love Comes to Town. Was this another one where someone asked you and you're just like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it, and then find out later? A hundred percent. I'm not going to, yeah, sugar. I, I certainly didn't go. I didn't even know it was around, to be honest. I hadn't even heard of it. Um, <laughs> One of my um, one of my mates who I'm still yet to find out the culprit um, put my name forward and yeah lo and behold it was uh, it was a phone call and I think I just finished I just finished doing something with work and you know end of the day you're just ready to knock off and have a relaxed evening um, got a phone call and it literally opened up with a sentence Hey Mitch I hear you're after love <laughs> and, and, and and I just thought this is an absolute G up like. Yeah, this is someone just absolutely pulling my leg, and um, no, it ended up being yeah, quite quite factual, and and um, the we went through what they were trying to do and trying to achieve, and like I said, Ollie, it was just kind of right out, you know, uh, let's let's go for it, and um, yeah, the, the rest is the rest is TV history. Um, it's certainly not TV gold, but it's TV. <laughs> um, no logies one out of it, yeah. mate. I could play you a very very funny message because I got a, the same story someone i've got no idea who it is has signed me up for farmer wants a wife this year and i've got a voicemail there saying hey ollie it's such and such just wondering um yeah if you can call me back i'm from farmer wants a wife anyway if i wasn't such an imposter that worked in a uh in an office i would consider it maybe <laughs> well, yeah, see, when, I, when i got this call i was um i was a uh, glorified seat cover sitting on an air seat and I thought, well, yeah, this might give me a bit of time off out of the tractor cab, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and you don't regret it? No, look, it's it's one of those things that, um, you know, th- there was certainly a lot of uh, a lot of challenges again with it. But, you know, with hindsight is you can look at it and go, you know, what did I lose? Like, you know, you, you kind of I, I, I get bagged out still a lot by my mates about it. They're never, ever going to live me down. They no. live it down. Um, and, um, and even my partner won't let me live it down. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's one of those things that, you know, you did it, um, it happened, and, you know, try to use it to your advantage. Like, you know, there was there was a period there where I think I was even chucking it on my resume when I was going, <laughs> you know, contesting on when love comes to town and you get to the interview, half of them, I swear, just wanted to interview me to hear what this show was and what it was like. And, you know, they couldn't care less about the job. Um, but, yeah. But you had media training, so that's a big tick for some jobs, depending on what you go for. Yeah, look, it, it is. And, and, you know, one of those one of those things too is, and, and what I'm a big believer in, is the more you can kind of, you know, differentiate yourself amongst every other person who might apply for the job, that one thing that stands out, and I see it now because I, I see, you know, I hire quite a few people in my different roles. Um, that one point that stands out is worth, you know, putting in that maybe pile. Um, whereas, you know, if you see a lot of those generic resumes come through, you know, they, they could be all very highly qualified and very good, but, you know, something that just has that random piece attached to it can add mm. a lot of value for you moving forward in, in whatever you're trying to do. I reckon that's a pretty good segue. So there's, it's only just coming to the last few recordings I've done, but I was like, oh, that's a question I want to ask everyone. And so if you were to go, you know how some people ask, oh, what would you give advice to yourself? I don't like that. If you had the chance to go like to a high school tomorrow and chat with students, male and female in year 10 or 11, about kind of those decisions 
beyond school and yeah what like why agriculture or what are the opportunities yeah what would be kind of some of your advice to them um look i unfortunately i had had the opportunity to go speak to a high school about you know the future of ag and what it's done for me and, and everything else i personally don't think there is a single industry out there that offers as much opportunity as agriculture we've got there's a there's an absolute range of of different positions you can hold in agriculture and i think you know that that gets promoted quite a bit you know you can be a specialist lawyer in agriculture etc etc but more than that it's the support that the industry gets um from from government the support that i mean you just have to look at you know the drought that we've gone through over the last two years, the amount of support that has been sat behind that, and not like I said, not just government, but the people from Sydney, the people from Melbourne, those city people that, you know, their involvement in agriculture is eating, but they're still willing to really support the people that are out there trying to grow that. So they understand how important those people are. Um, but my certainly my advice if you know if if i was speaking to a group of you know year 10 or year 12 students you know what's your next steps is there's so many different pathways you can go down um it might start with agriculture and end up somewhere completely different but i guarantee you there is something that you would have learned during your farming or agricultural experience that you'll be able to utilize in any any position that you hold in the future um, and, and also, like I said, it's, you know, just say yes. Like, just, just get in, do it. Um, the worst that happens is you waste a couple of months of your life. Um, but I, I, I don't think I've heard of anyone that's kind of gone, you know, that was terrible. I learned nothing. What a waste of time. But they might have right straight after. But I guarantee you speak to that person five years after and they go, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. I learned so much from it. It might be that they learned that they never wanted to be in farming. But yeah. you still learn something from it, you know. It's, um, but yeah, I, I like the, the industry, not just business wise, but also where you get to live, where, what you get to do with your families. I mean, we've got great network out here. You know, we go, you know, water skiing. We, you know, it's, it's just there's so much you can do, and you don't have to pay thousands of dollars for a weekend away. We've got it right at our doorstep. I love finishing on that question of what their advice would be to young people at school now. I just think the answers we're getting from it are just really interesting and, and different. I hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Mitch today. It was uh, an incredibly interesting story. Remember, just say yes and you never know where it'll get you. So normally I'd say I'll see you next week, but Saturday's rolling around when we launch the Royal Melbourne show. So if you're interested in tuning back in on Saturday, Jump in, we'll be chatting with Jason Ronald to get the show underway. Look after yourself, stay safe, stay sane, and I'll chat to you soon.